Hello, fellow watch lovers, nerds, enthusiasts, or however you identify. You're listening to 40 and 20, the Watch Clicker podcast with your hosts, Andrew and my good friend Everett. Here we talk about watches, food, drinks, life, and other things we like. Everett, how are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, we're we're starting this a little bit later than we normally do, so I do I did get to see that the final score in the Mariners game was positive. They beat the Casey Royals tonight in extra inning. I was going to say innings, but it was just a single extra. Just inning. the one. Yeah, that's good. So Mariners won. It's hot. It's smoky. AQI in Eugene is hovering between 300 and 400 with our forest fires. Yeah. Uh, but I'm doing okay, notwithstanding that. Yeah, it's been kind of a bummer here. It's been like 100 degrees and foggy. I've had about a beer and a drink <laughs> of one, of the next beer. So, yeah, I'm doing all right. Andrew, how are you doing? I'm about a beer and a drink, too. <laughs> this is a sip. A beer and a sip, but I got two open ones, so you know we'll see how we go. Uh, I'm I'm pretty okay. Uh, you know I have um, you guys don't know, but Everett knows I have two extra kids at my house. He has uh, tried to tell you guys this, but you weren't listening. Yeah, what the fuck, man? Uh, so I have two extra kids at my house. Uh, one of our friends had a uh, she had a congenital heart issue that. A couple cardiologists were like, mm, it's kind of it's not great. And then one cardiologist was like, that's pretty bad. Um, let's get you scheduled for surgery in September. Uh, and in the interim, I'd like you to come in for weekly checkups just to make sure. She went in on Friday with a scheduled you know, surgery in late September, went in on Friday and he said, uh, you're you have two choices. You can stay here and you can have surgery on Monday or you can probably die in the next two weeks. Your call, totally up to you. So she went in for emergency heart surgery yesterday uh, and, you know, with the, uh, you know, planning for a late September surgery, she like kind of had things lined out for then, um, which it didn't really you know, incorporate like today. So anyway, I'm plus two kids. Uh, cause obviously she's, uh, you know, she had surgery and everything went really well, right? It's the, that's the benefit of not being like a morbidly obese late seventies year old going into heart surgery is that, you know, when you're 30 and you go in for heart surgery, it, it typically goes pretty well because you're not really unhealthy. You just have like an issue. Um, cool thing uh my her husband my friend uh came over today to like he went and picked up his kids from school and he brought them over because they're staying with me that's why i'm plus two um his kids are staying with me because he's in the hospital he's like he's got shit uh but he goes you want to see the pictures it's like obviously i want to see the pictures so he showed me a bunch of stills that the surgeon took during the surgery which shows like the totally like opened chest cavity and the heart, like (laughs) the heart, like in somebody's hands and then like removing valves and installing stuff. She has a bionic heart. It's super cool. Um, but like showed me this kind of like step by step 
of the surgery, which That's was crazy, which was really, really cool. And I'm going to, when I see her probably early next week, I'm going to ask the super inappropriate question of like, I do need you to take your shirt off. I need to see the scar. And I'm really intrigued to see the bruising because surgical bruising is so fascinating. Well, and they like, have to really rip you open. For yeah. And like the heart, way it yeah. seeps around and like, I just, so I'm going to ask that question because I do want to see the bruising. Um, and I feel like I've earned it because I've been caring for their children for uh, an ill-defined period of time. <laughs> uh, but other than that, you know, like it's it's tiring to go from two to four, uh, you know, like four lunches, four drop-off locations, four schedules, four, you know, bedtimes. It's It's been a challenge, but I am going to get to see some post-surgical bruising. So, you know boobs that's and they're gonna be purple so purple boobs are still boobs well in any event we're not talking about boobs or surgery or extra kids or even baseball much we are much to my chagrin we are talking about however we are talking about watches this is going to be a roundup episode what we refer to as a roundup like what is roundup like Woody's Roundup from Toy Story. Uh, what we do in these episodes is we talk about the most recent watch happenings. Uh, if you're new here, I should say. If you're new here, this isn't the episode to be listening to. Circle back to Quartz Watches, Hook <laughs> Huygens and Hairsprings. What we do in these episodes is we review watch news as opposed to our more in-depth deep dive episodes or our three, four or our objectively best watches. Um, with that said, there was a lot that happened in the last couple of weeks. And so we wanted to get a chance to review some watches or review, uh, or discuss some, some new releases and some other interesting things we came across. All that to say, we're talking about watches. Andrew, what do you got? Can I talk about one of the hottest things to be released since 1920? Yeah, please do. Uh, so this is for the first time tonight. This is something that I don't know how I wasn't aware of. Right. It's one of those things like it, it it's like a like a five year old seeing a chick with big boobs. Like, oh, those are big. Interesting. But then you get to be eight and you're like, <laughs> I need five minutes by myself. Um this is one of those wake up moments for me, and it's the JLC Caliber One Zero One, which is not a new movement, even kind of, right? This is a movement. Not even kind of. This is a movement that was pioneered in the twenties in support of women's jewelry watches, and it is miraculous. It's a split plate, super weird split stacked movement that is the size of a match head. And I read this article on Fratello this last week, and I like because I just kind of like peruse as we all do peruse articles. I'm like, when less is more, JLC's one hundred one smallest watch movement ever, which I I wasn't really willing to accept on its title, I sort of, I was like, oh, that's clickbait. I don't accept 
Because, you know, in the last five years, we've seen these huge releases, you know, prominently from Bulgari and Citizen who are just just razor-thin movements, but also kind of like big watches. And these are tiny. The the thickness on this thing, hang on, I have to scroll to the thickness. 3.4 millimeter tall movement. Hmm. Which is especially interesting when you consider that the way that they were able to get this movement so small, and it is small, match head size. It's by splitting and stacking. They split the main plate in half and stacked it and connected the, the two halves by an additional gear. So when you consider that it's 3.4 millimeters tall and it's actually a double tall, I think, what do they call these? The dual plane, mm-hmm. dual plane construction, dual plan construction. And additionally, they stuck the crown out of the back instead of out of the side to further minimize that X axis it's like wow and it's only 14 millimeters long so we have 14 long by 4.8 wide by 3.4 tall or or, yeah by 3.4 tall this thing is tiny teeny teeny tiny it is a mechanical movement with a really cool innovative crown design to go on the back of the movement against your wrist Mm -hmm. in support of the women's jewelry bracelet watches. And, and like I said, I've seen these before. I just always assumed they were quartz because you, it's reasonable in my brain to make a quartz movement this size, but for a mechanical movement to exist this size and to still see like 15 millimeter thick dive watch movements, it's like, um, I have a problem here. I understand that this isn't the most accurate movement. This is a jewelry movement. You know, this is kind of like in the in the roaring 20s era. There's some Cartier partnerships that exist to employ the 101. Like, I get these things. But this technology exists. Why not innovate on it? uh, Iterate from it. And give me a razor thin dive watch. Yeah. Yeah. So actually, in in the history of this is, is actually kind of fascinating. So back in the first part of the 20th century, Anton LeCoultre invented a measuring device called, I believe it's called the milliometer. 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 Yeah. Uh, which. Because I uh, assume that he is French. Oh, <laughs> oh well, Fancy. Swiss. Uh, no. They, which allowed measurements down to the micron. So in and of itself, a pretty neat device. But, but that. And from the mind of a genius. That device is really what guides JLC's um, JLC's production for the next handful of years. So famously, uh, LeCoultre and Edmond Jaeger. I think it's Jaeger. Hook up right it's about that time. Jaeger bottle. And, and they also link up with another company, not a huge player in the watch world, called Cartier. 
um, for a thing. What, what was it? The the European watch the EWC yeah. EWC European Watch and Clock Company, which is sort of a a, a cohort or a conglomerate. And so what among you the, among the first what you see is both JLC and Cartier watches in this 1920s times coming out with this 101 movement. Um, and, and so these are not particularly uncommon. They actually made a bunch of these considering the scale they were making on them relative to the scale they were making these on. You see these in a ton of watches and it's a pretty terrific movement. 78 parts. Double main play. At the origin, right? So now we're looking at about 100 parts. Yeah, that's right. Only 33 hours of power reserve. Sorry, Powermatic. <laughs> that this thing is about half as good as you. And, and I think they're still the making size. these, right? Yeah, the 101 still exists. Yeah. Yeah. In its modern iteration, it's at 98 parts. It's a 21.6 uh, VPH. 33 hours of power reserve. This is like a not insignificant movement. How was I not aware of this? I don't know. It's pretty cool though. Were you aware of this? Was this like something like in the consciousness? It, you know, not, not specifically. No, you, you know, these, the, the, a, I think these are very expensive movements and, and B, I'm not sure this is something that we, it, it's not going in watches that would have caught our attention, but yeah, very cool. Yeah. And, you know, before CAD or, or CNC or Yeah, or before whatever. all of it. It's a hundred-year-old movement. Fuck you, Bulgari. <laughs> well, Andrew, I've got a watch I'd like to talk about. Uh, and, and it's a bit of a callback to last week's episode. So last week... Is we this a, like an amendment? It's not an amendment. Okay. It's not an amendment. Last week, we talked about the best field watches under $1,000... And we presented a list, as well as some honorable mentions, a list of five, nay, six watches. On that list of five, nay, six watches, we discussed the Hamilton Khaki Titanium Automatic Field Watch. Yeah. And you had lamented during the episode that that watch doesn't come on a bracelet, and that's a bummer. And it's I, a big bummer. I agreed with you. Well, the folks in Hamilton heard our episode and they decided to amend their catalog for the year with a really quick response. That is pretty quick. I'm, I was actually super impressed when I talked My to the guys at Hamilton. respond that quickly. I was like, you, do you really think you can pull this off? So Hamilton, in response to our episode, has released the field automatic, the titanium field automatic in four new watches, really two new watches in two sizes the silver cased titanium cased braceleted blue Mm. dial titanium field automatic in both 38 and 42 and a pvd black dial stealth also yeah this what they're calling the stealth in 38 and 42 so essentially we've now got four new watches from hamilton in direct response to the 40 and 20 Watch Clicker podcast. Uh, pretty cool shit. Yes. So just just to, just off the top, there's nothing special about these watches. But everything is special about these watches. That's right. These are, are what you know. These are 11 and a half-ish field watches that is that are just like the titanium khaki field automatics that you could buy before our episode. 
except that they now come with a titanium, full titanium, three-link, folding clasp, oyster bracelet. And they're also 21.6, very much like the uh, JLC 101. That's <laughs> That's right. Much bigger. That's right, Andrew. They're a, it's a little bit bigger. And ADR is a power reserve. So these have the Powermatic movement, um, or the H10 is Hamilton's version of the Powermatic movement. Um, the dials are beautiful. You've got a black dial with orange accents on the PVD and a really rich navy blue dial on the silver. It's it's actually um, a couple a couple blues. It's two blues. One is like closer to midnight. So the hour ring is like a midnight nylon black blue. And then the chapter ring and the 24-hour ring, the centered portion of the dial, are a really good navy. And these work together to create almost like a sunburst yeah. feel, the way those colors blend and kind of distribute throughout the dial. It, you know, it's um, unclear if to, to me if those are different blues or if the sheen is different. They've um, got to be different. I... I I think it might be a sheen difference. I think it's you a little think? bit matter on the on the chapter and the center ring. So this is kind of a sector dial. Uh, I think I it's think they're different. I think it's probably a, sheen, a a texture difference, but we'd have to see one in person. Either way, it definitely gives you a bit of contrast there. It's a tiered coloring at the it yeah. And this is these are <laughs> um, these are really pretty straightforward i mean this is what you would expect from this watch there's nothing really out of the uh, yeah, out of the ordinary it, it going is on this here. watch and it is uh for the titanium 11.95 euros for, for the 38 for the silver yeah the in the titanium the non-pvd 12.95 for this for the 42 1245 for the PVD 38 and 1345 for the PVD 42. I did earlier check the exchange rate between the US dollar and the euro. These are priced in euros on this article, which means you're going to pay less in dollars. So do, you know, get after it right now. This stealth you, is calling to me. If you buy like today. Yeah, um, you know, and this will air in two days. So, you know, maybe the exchange rate will be a, be a little different. Yeah. Uh, what do you got, Andrew? Ooh. What do I have? Next tab. Oh, this is a watch that I'm interested in speaking to you with. Vero has released a new watch in the way of a smoky bear themed field watch. Why do you want to talk to me about this? Well, because we're on a uh, podcast and we talk about watches and you're the only person to talk about watches with. <laughs> and so, because I have one of these in do, my you possession. Have so they have released two iterations of this, the uh, Smoky 44 and the Smoky 64. The difference being the dials, the Smoky 44 in honor of the introduction of Smoky the Bear and the 64 being 20 years later. 20 years later when Smokey gets yeah. his own zip code. Yes. Because the 
U.S. Forest <clears throat> Service was getting so much mail, and so they they got an address for Smokey to get mail at. Yeah, because you know Smokey needs mail. The uh, the forty four is a really like gothicy numerals. It has a spade, hour, a syringe, minute. Smokey the bear in his like grumpy ranger hat at the twelve, and just south of the hand stack, pinion, a pine tree, white, one to twelve, red, thirteen to twenty-four. Really classic field watch, 120 meters of water resistance, really great sizing at what, 38, 39? Yeah, 38. 38 and uh, the size. On these, yep. The it's 64. By 12, by 12 millimeters thick. The 64 is the one that really does it for me. It's a really classic 12, 24 hour ring with an inverted triangle at the 12 and really subtle, not novelty dial on the and there's a track inside the 24-hour ring that hosts the at the 12 o'clock a pine tree in honor of Smokey and text ring only you can prevent wildfires this the 44 is much more novelty to me right it has Smokey the bear icon at 12 o'clock this 64 is doing it for me, right? We've got a 10% profit share to the U.S. Forest Service. This is a brand that I really like because they're really leaning into that Northwest, Pacific Northwest kind of lifestyle brand, but still keeping their watch shit cool. I'm here for it. Yeah, yeah, I, I I think you nailed it. So you've got more of a dirty dozen mm-hmm. forty four with the cathedral hands. Um, you, you you know this is a, a, a pretty straightforward watch. I had a choice. I, I I had a choice of which of these to review, and I picked the sixty four because for me it's a little bit more straightforward. You've got more of a sixties military field dial aesthetic on this watch, and it just to me feels like a, a watch that you might buy to wear every day versus the 44 with Smokey's face a bit more novel as you said um they both share sort of a red railroad track and these are no shit field watches I've had this for about a week now and just over a week and what I can say is that it is um a really freaking good watch so the use of the NH38 and this means two things one it means that you can get this watch for under 500 bucks. Yeah, 450. 450. Uh, With 10% going to the Forest Service. So, you know, 400 bucks. That's right. That's right. This The second thing it means is that it's a, it's a thick watch. This is not a thin watch. At, at 12 millimeters, it's not obscene by any means, but it's got some weight to it. And it's some thighs. What do you want? In addition to being chunky, they've gone with a Tudor or Rolex-esque slab-sided case profile. We don't get Christopher Ward watch spanks here. Mm-hmm. We're getting the full the full Monty displayed prominently. So Which this, I, kinda, I really like. Like uh, the BB63 or the 36 is like somehow 
like super thin, super comfortable, but also rocking a big old ass Th- in that right. in that slab side. That that's right. It, it's an aesthetic decision, and 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 I'm not I'm not going to criticize it at all because I like it too. Um, but it is a prominent watch, you know, compared to say my Hamilton Khaki Field Mechanical. It, it's just a more substantial watch. With that said, everything works so well, and they've they've paired this thing with an appropriately thick leather strap, and it comes with a nylon passer as well. Um, I, I think it's great. The 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 two things that are sort of most on my mind with this watch, or, or I'm going to say three things. One, the dial's perfect. On the 64, the dial execution is fantastic. Yes. I love it. Um, it is the perfect combination of novelty without being novel, right? It's not, it's not Kermit. It's not Snoopy. It's you are the only one who knows the pine tree almost stands in for like a broad arrow. Um, it's, it's just a terrific dial. The case thickness, it's a substantial watch. So that's the other thing that I've noted. Like, okay, this is, I'm wearing a watch. Um, the third thing that really calls out to me is the bezel, um, it, it's got a bit of a triple bezel is what I'm going to call it. I don't know if that's a real term or not. Hot take. We've coined it here. The triple bez. <laughs> but essentially what you've got is these three different surfaces as you approach the crystal. You've got the mid case. You've got bezel one. You've got bezel two. In this instance, bezel one is highly polished. Mm-hmm. Bezel. So you've got the brushed, satin brushed mid case, highly polished bezel one, brushed satin bezel too and it creates this phenomenal interruption and um attention gathering that kind of pushes your eyes towards the dial and it almost acts like a light catcher from the outside that's right yeah L- looking at this thing in photos i didn't know what i was going to think it in fact it looked a little cheap in some of the photos i saw in person it doesn't at all it looks really really good and because the model is wearing the strap one hole too small <laughs> he's looking squished and the balance of the polish on the bezel with the polished crown in, in practice this works really really well it's a beautiful watch but also an incredibly simple and pragmatic watch I've been, i'm a huge fan of this I, i've been wearing it um it is not a leap in horological significance by any means it's a simple affordable Really fun, really good watch. I think it's a hit for Vero. I like what they've done here. I hope that they use this watch. I hope that they use this case in future watches because I think it's a winner. I think this is a really, really good watch that they've made here. This has kind of been the Vero jam, right? Vero did this huge pivot. They went from being all-in-house manufacturing, wildly expensive because of just the nature of one dude running two CNC machines to pump out every case and then one person doing the painting. Like Vero's original business model was amazing and destined to fail. And Chris recognized that and did this huge pivot and really leaned into the Pacific Northwest roots, the active lifestyle roots, and has done this really cool combination of like, I'm a watch guy and I like making watches for watch people, but I'm also a lifestyle brand and I like making things for people who want to incorporate watches into their lifestyle. And I he's, he's done a really, really cool thing 
in that, and I'm excited to see what comes next. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. I, I think I think it's terrific, and I, I I'm really excited to see to see where uh, Vero goes with this thing. Andrew, what's next? Or was that mine? Well, that was that was mine. You're up. Oh boy. So Everett, what's next? Um, I think next I'd like to talk about a company that we don't talk about all that often, but more in the last year than, I'd say more in the last year than in the four years of the 40 and 20 podcast preceding that. Um, I'm going to talk about a company that when we refer to it, we use naughty words, mm. specifically Tiso or... Tits out. So Tiso last year introduced the Heritage 1938 telemeter, which is a multi-scale chronograph we talked about on the show and said, this is terrific. We really like it. I like what you're doing. It's a lot of watch, um, but it's interesting and cool, and it's not the PRX. It opens a lot of opportunities and doors and things for you to, like, spread your wings. And at the time, we commented that it seemed like Tiso maybe finally had developed some some humans or, or devoted some humans, some human resources, perhaps to human capital to, uh, you know, uh, really vibing with the current trends and watches, because it, it seems like Tiso is always kind of on the outside looking in. And, and of course they've got this tremendous hit with the PRX mm-hmm. and they've got this huge vacuum with the weird Seiko transitions and, they're like trying to fill it. They're they're instantly they're interestingly positioned to fill some gaps in the market. And it Pulse. seemed like at the time, um, they had maybe maybe devoted some people to that. Well, they've continued the 1938 Heritage series with the introduction of two new watches. Some people are saying three new watches. It's really, two. It's two watches, and they're and even even then, it, it's they're pretty close, but. What we have is the introduction of one new watch, a three-hander in two different dials, mm-hmm. and the same watch, but instead of being a three-hander, being a small seconds with a date. Uh, they're calling these the, give me a moment. Tits out heritage. Her- heritage 1938 chronometer for the three-hander. And but it's spelled the heritage small seconds. Chronometra. Heritage Small Seconds 1938 for the other version. Um, one of these is a 2824 based three hand, uh, 39 millimeter by like just over 11 millimeter. Very simple, kind of a railroad feeling watch. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's terrific. Kind of like, like, evolution of the pocket watch yes this is Mm -hmm. like you like to say andrew this is a watch this is like the watch right this is it this is we've got a terrific onion crown which is gorgeous uh we've got great dimension 39 by 11 1 on the chronometer we've got a 28 24 dash 2 which has been chronometer certified um which feels like a bit of a cheat but whatever that's fine um at about nine hundred bucks 
for the three hander. And then we've got, and then we've got a twenty eight ninety five dash two small seconds, twenty seven jewel, really really lovely small second styled version that comes on a shark mesh uh, for just over a thousand euros. Uh, as between the two, these are really similar watches. The three hander being attractive in that that's chronometer grade. The at eight seventy five. The small seconds be yeah, <clears throat> it, it, which I think you had said earlier that you thought that might be the most affordable chronometer grade. I don't know that for sure, but it's definitely do, up there. I can't think of anything under eight seventy five that's chronometer certified. The small seconds being interesting in that it's a very nice movement, much nicer movement. You've got the small seconds. Uh, what do you think? What do you think of these guys, Andrew? I am for it. And so the the small seconds. Usually, I am a sucker for small seconds. Uh, I don't. I, I really like the textured dial on it. I could go for some loom. The sword hands are beautiful. That kind of powermatic because Tiso uses two logos, and they got. I'd call these glaive hands, right? They're they're okay. those really thin, like stick glaives. Okay, but but Tiso uses a couple logos, and this has that powermatic classic. Not not powermatic like the Viso date. Yeah, Viso date, not powermatic. Uh, the Viso date logo. I I sort of retro logo. Yeah, I I have some reservations with the small seconds. I think with their other logo and no date, the small seconds with the uh, kind of mirror, like the the white versus black minute track, because it's got a white minute track. I'm I really like the design. I think it's just kind of a miss for me. But the two three hand dials, one of them in a salmon with black accents, one of them more of like a matte black with. Gold accents. Yeah, I, I accept gold. I'm I'm like closer to tan on yeah. it. Yeah, like sort it, of a gold brown. Gold yeah, brown. these these are doing it for me, and I am here for it. This is this is Tiso very much exploiting a strange vacuum coming kind of in that five to thousand dollar space in the big brand world, right? You know, we saw Seiko almost, you know, abandon that space, right? They've put a bunch of ass into the $700 and below space with just that a couple Seiko things. Seiko 5 Sports Yeah, right, they, the Seiko 5 Sports range. And they put a bunch of ass into the 1000 and above space. They've really put a bunch of ass into Grand Seiko, which is doing some weird things to or excuse me, King Seiko, which is doing some things to compete with Grand Seiko. And it's just kind of a strange like infighting there. And there's an interesting, <laughs> I think, I think you've, you've developed a narrative there that I'm not sure exists, but I hear what you're saying. No, you see what I'm saying. There's an interesting space in that five to $1,200 big brand space that, Tiso is is dipping their toes in and trying to figure out what works, and we see other brands doing it. And I'm I'm here for this kind of exploration because it, it demonstrates a 
acknowledgement of the deep catalog. And right now we're in a space where we like to see, where we watch people want heritage. We want to see that deep catalog reissue. There's this huge vintage inspired resurgence, this re-release resurgence that people want to see. And this is that. This is an imagination of that space. And I'm really digging it. Yeah, for me, I think that these, I think they're terrific. <laughs> I, I price slightly prefer the small seconds, but it's pretty close. And I, I do like the idea that you can get these in chronometer grid. You, you know, I think that these provide a you nice... You just don't get chronometers so that's, and, and that price. These provide a nice complement to the... Um, to the Viso date, which with its twisted lugs and sort of polished hands is, is a little bit more dressy. Mm-hmm. These are maybe a little bit less dressy complement to that range of watches. What's the water resistance on these? I think that's fi- it's five atmospheres. So, yeah. Which yeah. is a bummer because if you could get these even at 50, this could be the one watch. Yeah, well, and I think for most people, this could be the one watch anyway. I, I don't think that there's anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with five bars, unless you're swimming, and then you might want something else. But I wouldn't shower the five bars. Eh, yeah. Well, I think there's some arguments for why you shouldn't be showering in your watch anyway. But yeah, how else are you supposed to clean it? I've been ridiculed for not cleaning my watches. Yeah, publicly um, on air. You guys have heard it. You know, I, I think it, it's it's interesting. Um, Frank licked one of my watches, just so we're clear about how clean my watches are. Andrew, what do you got next? Okay, so Jesus. since we're on the tits out uh, thing theme, um, and we talked about the PRX, we've got two new additions to the PRX 35 line. And, you know, I sort of thought they were already there kind of bums me out we have a gold on gold on gold prx 35 and we have what they're calling ice blue what i'm gonna call tiffany-esque blue and they are perfectly boring additions to the prx line that honestly if they hadn't announced that they now exist, I would have assumed that they had always existed. Yeah. I don't think these are actually, I don't think either one of these are new colorways. I think that the, what's happened here is they've introduced the ice blue and the gold and the 35 millimeter size. So for, for a lot of people, I think the full size TSO is maybe just a touch to the 40 millimeter PRX is just a touch too big. Well, especially with the K-shape and the integrated bracelet. Like, I I totally get why a 35 is more appropriately sized for this style of watch. But if they hadn't announced that it had been released and I had just been, like, looking at PRXs and seeing the gold and the ice blue, it would have been like, oh, yeah, duh. And so nothing special about these, right? Nothing you've special, got but Powermatic 80s. You've got uh, 35 millimeter... 35 millimeter cases, the Tissot POX, PRX that you know and love, 100 meters of water resistance, nothing nothing more to say, but they're continuing to expand that. You made a good point earlier when we're, when we're pre, pre-gaming, yeah. um, which is that um, the PRX is sort of the the money driver for Tissot right now, and, and so it makes sense that they'd be filling all the gaps. They clearly 
are selling a bucket load of these. Um, and it's not to us watch people. It's normal people who don't listen to the show. Which is the dream, right? And who would make fun of you for listening to the show. That, that's right. So this, these are these are really uh, fun releases in a, a different size, not moving the needle for us watch nerds, but I, I, th- I think it is a sub- significant release for the regular world. You can now get the 35s and the 40s in just about any color you possibly want it. The PRX is r- running the world. It does. Uh, I got something I'd like to talk about. Is uh, is it okay? Just a, just a quick interruption. Uh, I work with a guy who's like an, inv- uh, he's a watch guy. I'm going to air quote that. He's an Invicta watch guy. He's, I've never seen him wear the same watch twice. Um, which is, and he's also a weird guy, right? He's, he's a straight geardo. He's not a real cop. What does he, that mean? He's a bailiff, which means he's oh. a he's a corrections officer who works for a police department and transports prisoners, like to and from court and stuff. Is he a white shirt? No. Oh, no. okay. He's, he, he works for us. Um, but he is he's got dozens and dozens of watches, and I pretty early on in working with him, I noticed that he was wearing a different watch every day and which like piqued my interest. So I was like, I increased my proximity or I decreased my proximity to him to see what he's wearing. And I was like, Oh, I see what you're wearing. Okay. I understand what's happening here. Yesterday I was walking or not yesterday. My last work day, I was walking by him before I was ready to go to work and he was scrolling through his camera roll of like iPhone pictures, like shitty iPhone pictures of his shitty Invictas to post to Instagram. I could tell he was on the Instagram app. He was picking Invicta pictures to post. And I was thoroughly amused by his Invicta collection. Cause I saw like watches that I'd never seen him wearing. You know, we're kind of anti snob on this show. Mm-hmm. And, and so when people are into watches, I'm always curious about, I want to know what got him there, what they're interested like, is in. Is he, is he down with the good deal? Is, does he truly appreciate the weird, like diver face mask cage over the dial? Because I have seen him wear that watch. It's like it's a like a bronze or brass watch case with a cage over the crystal. It's very big, and like I wonder if he likes it because he got such a good deal on it because. Invicta is always 80% marked down from MSRP or if that's like that interesting dive face mask dial does something for, I, I always want to ask, but I, he's also the type of person that you don't really want to engage in conversation <laughs> because you can't get away from it. You just walk away. Like when you're done, you just walk away. He, he continues talking and somebody else gets trapped in the in the web. <laughs> All right, moving along. So yeah, we should. Uh, Hanhart is a company that I'm not super familiar with. Uh, my friend Blaine walked me through a, uh, his Hanhart watch last summer, two summers ago, I guess now in San Francisco. And I was really blown away by the history and the craftsmanship. He had a, I believe, a Pioneer Mark II 
which is this watch with this really rich history. And I think some of it is marketing, but also some of it's real. You've maybe seen this watch. It's got a really prominent fluted bezel, a red. You've seen the logo for sure. A a red pusher. It's a very cool watch. One that I don't know a lot about, uh, but I know more about than I did then. Hanhart released a watch this week that I was instantly like, that's fucking cool. So this is a sub $1,000 watch. It's a watch, and it's really, really good. Um, They're calling this the Pioneer Silva, which is a three-hand which is a three-hand... Like Anderson Silva, not the cool way to say silver. That's right, like Anderson Silva, um, which is just a three-hand watch that harkens back to a, a watch called the Cal 36-39 from Hanhart. Um, and it is, I, I think, fair to call this a Bauhaus-type dial. You've got... Except... A very big void space in the middle. You've got really legible numerals. The even numerals are Arabics. The odds are just dots, uh, which creates more space. Um, you, you've got really simple minute dashes and slightly more prominent five-minute dashes. This is very, very Spartan in terms of what the information, uh, what information is being provided to you. But more than that, it is just a terrific looking watch. The lugs are great, inoffensive. There is so little going on here. Again, glaive hands, much like the Tissots we talked about earlier. Tits out, sorry. There's so little going on here that it is. it would be easy to just pass over this. But <clears throat> in my mind... I think this is a totally terrific release that's coming in with a fantastic movement. Yeah. Uh, with From a company with great history that's coming in at a great size. It's using a Salita 200, right? A Salita SW200. Mm-hmm. Um, it's 38 and a half millimeters wide, 10 millimeters tall. Um, the two objections to this watch. One, the crown, I think, is slightly undersized. I think this could do with a little bit more crown. A little bit more onion, yeah. Two, the water resistance is five atmospheres, uh, which is not great, but also not terrible. Um, This is terrific. I have one question about this watch. Sure. And it's not the white dial. The black dial appears to have two iterations of its pips on the odd numbers in the earlier pictures it shows full loomed no not earlier one picture in the middle shows a full loomed odd number pipped marker but all the others show almost like a just an outline yeah. Is that a distortion color? Like, is it a color distortion that I'm seeing in photographs or is that? I think the renders on this thing showed it with a white loomed. So, so again, the odd numbers have these pips. I think the renders showed a white 
um, loomed pip. But mm-hmm. all the real pictures I've seen are black. So I think they yeah. either switch to a black, some sort of black marker or black loom or something. I'm not entirely sure which of those it is. I don't see any reference to loom being used. So I think it's just a black mark. I think I liked the white render better. Yeah, I, it, it, for me, I, I don't have a, a strong preference either way. But yeah, that is something to note. It's a question. Andrew, what do you got next, man? Ooh, next up for me. Oh, uh, this is something exciting. Uh, Traska's restocked. Oh, that is exciting. So uh, Traska is one of my favorite brands. Um, they do really well-designed, really simple watches, super affordable, under 600 bucks, with great hardening on their finishing such that I've made efforts to try to mark up my watch and have been unsuccessful. (laughs) I understand that I could successfully mark up my watch with appropriate effort, but with, you know, wearing it while working at a computer, wearing it to just do normal day-to-day life stuff, this watch looks like I just took the stickers off of it. They just had a restock. You're going to have to get in quick. They've restocked Four of their watches, they have, oh shoot, which which one was it that they didn't? The Commuter, the uh, Summiteer, the Freediver, and the Seafarer have all been restocked, and they're going to go quick. So if you've been kind of on the fence about Traska, Uh, I kind of was, I got the commuter and was totally and completely sold, not only on 36 millimeter watches, but also on their manufacturing processes. They're restocked. They're ready to go get in on this because it's going to be a while. They're kind of, they're not quite Halios delay for availability, but they're really close. Go Traska. Indeed. You know, the only other thing that we have on our list that I do want us to talk about is the Longines Hydro Conquest mm. GMT. So this is a sub $3,000 offering from Lagine. I think twenty six seventy five on a on a strap or $27.75 on a bracelet. Um, you, you know, Longine, I think, is been on a run of hits, especially with, um, you, you know, their their newest offerings, the Spirit, um, and now this Hydro Conquest GMT, which is terrifically sized, forty one millimeters, just under thirteen millimeters thick, uh, with a really very good sub 50 millimeter lug to lug. So it's a big watch, but it's supposed to be a big watch. This is a flyer GMT using the, um, uh, 844.5, which is an ETA based GMT caliber. I think this is a terrific looking watch. Uh, you actually sent this out. Um, but I thought, yeah, you we send, should talk about you this. You sent an article about it too. 
What, what do you think of this, this guy, Andrew? This is an interesting watch to me because I I feel like it's it represents a strange place that Longine finds itself in. Mm. This is not a space that I imagine Longine. Well, what do you mean it's by that? It's a space that Longine has existed before, yeah. exists now, will Same continue more. to exist. This is not where I want to see Longine putting their efforts into because this is way too saturated of a market. The the GMT diver, come on. I want to see Longine pushing the envelope in dress watches, in three-handers, in cool integration of technology. I want to see more moon phases. I want to see more complications. This is not... I understand that they have to exist here, right? They're a business, and they need to make money, and they need to capture sales. This kind of bums me out that this is where Longine is applying efforts. Andrew, I don't think I could disagree more with you. Please. I, I actually think this is terrific. So it's a great watch, but it isn't Longine special. For me, the Hydro Conquest has been probably the most underrated of all the notable dive watches. You're getting... It could be. I don't disagree with that. You're getting a ton of brand cachet. You're getting a fully spec watch using fantastic materials, manufacturing techniques, etc. Um, I, I don't want dress watches from Breitling, though. And I, I think, don't want two watches from Longines. Yeah, but... but and Long, maybe that's a me thing. Yeah, I think it is a you thing because Longines a tool watch company. It is, but it's not where I want them to be. So when Longines introduced their spirit Zulu time, mm -hmm. which is their GMT... So first, I think that's a totally terrific watch. This is a full millimeter thinner than that watch. Uses the same movement, right? Uh, or, or essentially the same movement, and you're getting a no shit. You're getting probably the best GMT diver on the market at under five grand. I think so, and and you're getting a, a totally underrated dive watch company from a company that has a ton of cachet and bona fides. I think this is great, and and there the there is a very fair criticism to this watch that it feels very Omega-ish, but I kind of don't care. I'm here for it. I, I really like this watch. And I think if you're a person that wants a extremely high quality watch for less than what you'd pay for an SMP. Yeah. I mean, this is maybe the poor man's SMP. This is terrific. And a flyer GMT. And it's also kind of a poor man's sub. Like it, it, does all of those things. And that's maybe what disappoints me. Is and this is obviously not a review. We haven't seen these. We don't know if the strap is good, We, but it is, right? We can't speak to that personally, but, but we can confirm that it's great. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. I just, I, Size I don't is great. It's more boring than I want out of a brand like this. Man, I'm here for it. I, I It's like the type of watch that makes me think, maybe, maybe I should get one of these. Um, I won't get one because I don't want this watch. I, I want other things in this spot, but I think it's a terrific release. 
It's, I mean, it's great, but it's also like, it's not, it's not what I want. Andrew, is there anything else you want to talk about before we move, move this along? We should move it along. Other things. What do you got? I got a new thing this week. (laughs) I know you do. As, as with every week. I, so when I transitioned from tent camping to trailer camping, certain things changed, certain capabilities changed. And with that, I realized that I needed to upgrade my cooking capabilities, not just because uh, I wanted to, but because I could. I now suddenly had like the space to transport and the power to support cooking capabilities. I did a bunch of research and I like dug deep into the all of the things regarding outdoor cooking, not just like home grilling, but tabletop tailgating grilling camping grilling and i settled myself with a pit boss copper series tabletop wood pellet grill and it is all the things that you expect from pit boss great build quality affordable i paid 227 dollars for this thing to have a total temperature range from their smoke. Like one, one, my one bitch is that you can't super, you, you can control in like 25 degree increments, which is kind of the industry standard. I would prefer one degree increments, but I understand for ease of use, you can't have that. So I got this pellet smoker and it is, Exactly as built. It's a tabletop pellet smoker. It doesn't generate any heat on the feet. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, right? Like you can put it on a plastic table. It has a seven pound hopper capacity. And at running running at 500 degrees, they say you're going to burn about a pound per hour. Oh, so you can run this thing all fucking day. All day. The nice thing is crack it open you refill the hopper if you're gonna have like a a nice slow smoke and and you know i ever i'm sure every unit has its own little kind of nuances with burn rates and stuff and that's something that i have to experiment with but uh so i got this thing there is is some assembly required which kind of bugged me Eh. it was super easy it has a really easy seasoning process. It's like put it together, fill the hopper, start it, and let it run for an hour. And it was so easy that I watched multiple YouTube videos to make sure that it was as easy as the instructions <laughs> said. I've got this thing running and I've primed it and it's got like a it's got pellets burning it or pushing into the into the burn uh burn cup and i'm like it can't be this easy i'm doing it wrong i watched one one youtube video from pit boss and they're like this is what you do 
It's like, of course you'll say that's what you do. I go to somewhere else. This is what you do. And I was like, bullshit. And I was proven wrong. It's super intuitive. It's super easy. It's got a cook surface sufficient for like one whole spatchcocked chicken, you know, a bunch of hot dogs, a bunch of burgers. It's got a great temperature range. Could you do like a, could you do like a uh, pork butt on this thing? Yeah, 100%. It's big enough? It is 256 square inches of space. So you could do a rack of ribs, but you're going to have to split it. Mm-hmm. You could do... A, it's like a square. You could do a half brisket. Yeah. Yeah. You could do a whole chicken. You could do a bunch of burgers. You could do a tri-tip or... T- you could probably do two tri-tips. If you did burgers, are there mul- multiple racks you could do? There, There's a small rack, which is insufficient for yeah. like multiple racks. But if you're doing burgers, you just slide the grate open and you can grill over direct fire. How many? How many could you do? Ten, probably reasonably. Does, does it do? Does it do slow and low? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So lowest temperature is one eighty ish. That's great. It runs to five hundred, and then you can slide the uh, flame cover open and grill over direct flame. Uh, so, uh, so here's a question for you. For someone that didn't want to have a full-on home smoking setup, could you buy this and have it be your primary smoker for the occasional... Like, what are the limitations? There are better options. Because this is a tabletop, right? It has no legs. Mm -hmm. So you'd have to have some kind of outdoor cooking setup. There's better options that are similarly sized probably 30-ish percent bigger, like 350 square inches that have For about the same cost. Neighborhood. They're more. Yeah. Right? But if you want to try a smoking apparatus and you're not going to do it very often, you're going to do fairly small amounts. And maybe you didn't want to dedicate floor space on your patio to it. You just wanted to have something that you could get out occasionally. Yeah, there's a bunch that have like folding leg options that you can, they're similarly sized, but you can fold them up and you can stow them away. Uh, This wouldn't, this is like a portable only, like tailgating, camping. What's our price range on this guy? 230 bucks. That's great. Yeah, 227 is what I paid at Walmart for it. It takes any kind of wood pellets, like if you prefer the trigger blends or whoever, takes them all, eats them up. It was super easy, super intuitive. I'm really excited. I almost cooked dinner on it tonight, but I have a I have a better option for that. And I didn't want to pull it out and let it cool off. Like I have yeah. my my smoker is like You have a smoker. Yeah. Yeah, I have I have a, yeah, I have way too much outdoor cooking equipment on my patio. <laughs> Good shit. Well, Andrew, this is money, and I'm super excited by it. There's uh, there's two iterations of this. There's the copper version, which has a seven pound capacity. It's a retailer exclusive with Walmart, and there's a mahogany version that's a five pound hopper capacity. That's kind of the general space. They're the exact same price. Get the seven pound hopper capacity. Get the Walmart version. Get the Walmart version. Yeah. Don't be stupid. Two extra pounds of hopper capacity is at least two extra hours without having to tend your fire. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting to me, the social dynamics involved in, uh, social dynamics involved in like, there's certain things that if you want to get 
you get the best version at Walmart, right? Like, yeah, they have weird retailer exclusive branding <laughs> and the copper top. And it also looks better. So I'll, I'll show you a picture. The, this okay. is the copper version. Looks and it great. has a copper lid. The mahogany version has a black lid, just like the rest of the smoker barrel. And the copper looks great. The copper looks way better. And it's got a two extra pound capacity, which is why I decided to pay like $8 more than buying it on Amazon for two pound less hopper capacity. Andrew, I've got another thing. Do me. So I am the owner of a Breville Barista Express espresso machine. You would be just based on the um, size and dimensions and what it appears to be used for. (laughs) A Breville Barista Express is a terrific home espresso machine. Breville also makes double boiler versions that are better. But for, you know, the once or twice a week cup of espresso, the Breville is uh, uh, the barista. It's called a shot of espresso. Is a fucking animal. Tremendous, tremendous machine. So uh, I use that pretty frequently, especially for steaming milk. My wife does not like steaming milk. She just doesn't like the process. She doesn't want to do it. It's a pain in the ass. But it's worth it. She thinks it's a pain in the ass. I don't think it's that big of a deal, but it's a pain in the ass that's worth it. She wanted a milk frother. So I want to be able to heat up some milk, froth it, dump it in a cup of tea or a coffee or whatever. And I said, well, okay. And so I started looking at um, milk frothers. You can get milk frothers for anywhere from nine bucks on Amazon to 120 bucks. <laughs> Um, so you got the 120. Some of these are some of these are um like kettles, like you actually have a kettle that froths the milk. Some of these are wands. She wanted a wand, which, which makes sense because you can do single cup. The problem with a kettle is that you gotta do like a bucket. Th- so yes. Uh but the wands are just not as good. They're just not as good a device. Correct. She wanted a wand, though. And so I thought, well, maybe these are all the same. It's basically just a battery-operated handle and a a little set of springs or a whisk at the end that vibrates and rotates and whisks your milk. And so I started looking into this. Don't you have one of those home massagers? (laughs) That seems like it would do the trick. Like a Hitachi? Yeah. Uh, The... um, I started looking into this. I found a couple references to this thing called the subminimal nanofoamer and people saying this is actually a really good device. Um, and so I, I looked into it. I found that you can get these things for $39, just under 40 bucks, which is a total like, yes, it's worth it. The people are even on a flyer. People are saying this is good. Let's give it a try. So I ordered one of these things. They come in both a double a version and a lithium rechargeable lithium version i got the rechargeable lithium because i hate having to look for batteries i can see a world in which the double a version would be better for us mm-hmm. we're gonna use this thing in the kitchen you just plug it in it's fine how about the lithium you just plug it in you have usb plugins in your kitchen this thing is terrific it comes with these changeable screens um you can, you know, get the size of of screen tuned into your preferences. I've been using the finest one for the art. Um, 
Yeah, it just makes a really like small bubble. This thing's terrific. I would say um, as between my Breville and this, there's a difference, but it is not a big difference. This mm. thing's faster. It's more clean. It's more convenient. Um, you're not getting the pitcher out and, you know, getting your rag to wipe the steam wand out. Like you just poke this thing in. You start in the middle, get some air in there, move it over to the side, get your bubbles down, tamp it down, pour it. The whole thing. Rinse it in the sink. Rinse it Put it, it back the in the drawer. That's right. That's right. And it's terrific. It has worked so well that I'm like in that unenviable position of ignoring my thousand dollar espresso machine. God, are you going to have to admit she's right? Because this thing works so good and so easily and does such a good job. Now, I will say there are pictures on the website that show really nice latte art. I'm I don't think you can get latte art quality foamed milk with this thing. This says that you can. But maybe some people can. I'm skeptical. With that said, it is very, very the close. The only AA battery operated handheld milk foamer capable of making premium cafe quality micro foam milk for latte art at home. Yeah, look, it's terrific. I won't deny that it's terrific. And there are people that have posted online images. It's not going to be as good as a steam wand. It's just not going to be. But no. with all things being equal, for 40 bucks, that's that's it's terrific. It blew my mind how good it was. Four I've, lattes that you have saved getting made. I've been using it even though I bought it just to appease my wife who didn't want to use the steam wand. I'm like, yeah, this works pretty, pretty well. That's a thing. That's my other thing. That's a good other thing. Andrew, is there anything else you want to add before we get moving for the day? No, no. Well, I just want to thank everybody for joining us for this episode of 40 and 20, the watch clicker podcast. This is episode <coughs> 251. Last was episode 250. What that means is that we were rapidly approaching five years of doing this podcast. I don't know if we're going to do something special for five years or not, but in any event, I'm so happy to be here continuing to do this thing. Why don't you check us out on the website, watchclicker.com. That's where we post every single episode of this podcast and reviews, articles, etc. It's worth a look. You can also check us out on our socials at watchclicker or at 40 and 20 underscore watchclicker on Instagram. That's where we post pictures, updates, reviews, that sort of thing. If you want to support us, and and we really hope you do, you can do that at patreon.com slash 40 and 20. That's how we get all the money for hosting software and hardware that we use in the production of this podcast and to just keep the wheels turning. And don't forget to tune in next Thursday for another episode of Watches, Food, Drinks, Life, and other things we like. Bye-bye. <laughs>